I think the pinnacle of it was Californication by um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. If you listen to that, you can hear the distortion in the master and it's, it's terrible. And they did this all just to be heard. But back then, you only had to deal with one standard for radio and television. There's not as many touch points for audio. But now, you know, we get it in our car, we get it in our hearables, we get it on podcasts or speakerphones, we get it through TV, we get it through computer audio. Audio experience evolves in different formats and in different places. The advertising is going to evolve with it. Charles Balderston is an audio UX designer and founder of What Sounds Design. He has over 15 years of experience in audio engineering and sound design. Charles has a passion for sound and the emotional influence it can have over people. He uses this to help create audio experiences for products that will enhance the user's experience. What Sounds has created audio experiences for companies such as Lyft, Microsoft, June, Chef IQ, and many others. Andrew Bellavia is the Director of Market Development for Knowles Corporation, a leading acoustic solutions provider for earphones and IEMs, hearing aids, smart speakers, and mobile phones. He has been involved in the development of in-ears ranging from traditional audio brands like AKG to the latest hearables from companies such as Amazon. Andrew is also an advocate for protecting one's hearing and for the role technology can play in addressing hearing loss. Welcome to the Sound in Marketing podcast. Uh, I'm just remembering when, I can't remember what the name of the game was because I'm, I'm not a gamer, but like that Pokemon game where people were like Pokemon going, Go? yes, where yeah. people went nuts and they were like walking into traffic and doing the stupidest things because <laughs> they weren't paying attention. <laughs> yep. and, and that wasn't that long ago, but if they had had like some, some kind of uh, uh, tune into the real world, they could hear the car coming like it wasn't even the problem of like hybrid or electric electric cars it was just that they were so immersed in what they were doing that they were not paying attention to reality well that's it and i've used i've used learned to use uh, google maps especially because they now have the more verbose audio directions which they developed for non-sighted people uh, but i use it all the time because i can again have it playing in the background and, you know, so I can be talking to the person walking with me. And then, you know, it's it's fun to do, actually. We'll be walking down the street and I'll just say, turn here. We'll walk some more. Turn over here, you know. And they're like, how do you know where the heck we are? <laughs> oh, well, Google's just playing it in my ears. I love it. So it's exactly what you say, because when you're, when you're working with, uh, you know, augmented reality audio, when you're out and about, you don't lose your focus. You're not going to step in front of a car as if you were playing Pokemon Go and staring at your screen or following route guidance on your screen, you know, in the meantime, while you're running into people. And it's, it's, it is amazing to see that sort of pop popular culture um, absorb augmented reality and bring it to the masses. I would say that that's probably been the most popular augmented reality experience ever. And that goes into something that I, I always try and bring up because, um, I find it important and I'd really like to see this is how can we bring the the near range audio experience of headphones and earbuds and streaming music and listening to podcasts, which is a very solitary thing. How can we make it communicative? Because I think that um, there's some exploration of that, but I don't think that we're quite there. And right now, everybody's together. And, um, you know, there might be companies that are thinking, well, this isn't important thinking about uh, headphones versus speakers versus all of this, like 
Um, but it, it will be like we will go back on our own. I'd love to have a break from my kids here and there. And I don't have that. The experience is not isolated to one platform or one medium or outlet. It needs to uh, spread out to all different platforms, all different listening habits. Um, brands need to be involved in all of it. The problem is, unless you're always having a hearable in and always have a smart speaker, you can't set up the system where it goes back and forth flawlessly or seamlessly between the two, where it's like, hey, everyone, let's gather on the speaker and talk. Meanwhile, you still get your email notification or whatever in your ear and audio feedback in your ears personally. Um, so currently, they're, they're still two separate experiences that aren't going to replace each other anytime soon. I don't see that happening anytime soon. But the idea of having a smart speaker in a room and gathering around with the whole family, things like the, the Alexa apps that you can play games with and the, the interactivity of these smart speakers, I think, is starting to bring people back to that, hey, let's all gather around the speaker. Let's all chat. You know? And uh, a guest on your podcast from Pandora, I forget, I forget his name, was talking about... Um, Roger Gurman. Yes, was talking about the, the, the soundtrack to board games. And that was so cool. And it's, it's, it's great because that creates an ambience and it, it blurs that line between consumption of media and uh, being social and, and exploring. So, you know, the, having the two being separate, my personal hearable experience, I don't want to share with everybody else. I don't for two reasons. One, I might want to listen to something that nobody else wants to listen to, which happens a lot because I've got a very eclectic taste in music. And two, if I'm getting very specific notifications, say for Slack when I'm walking around the house and I want to be able to hear those constantly, nobody wants to hear that on a smart speaker. So it's they each serve their own function to to create an overall audio experience that that goes from your headphones to the speaker. But then Apple, for instance, has the the sharing the Bluetooth stream, which I think is really cool. I haven't used it yet, but with, you know, my wife has AirPods and I have AirPods, I can say, hey, take a listen to this and I can share it with her iPods without oh, that's so cool. too many roadblocks. I know I haven't tried yet. Really, I have to try it. That's coming to the new Bluetooth standard as well. So that with, you know, on universal basis, anybody will be able to share audio. And, and I can think of a lot of reasons why you might want to do that. Say my wife and I are on the train heading to Chicago. Uh, we could both listen to the same Spotify while dimming the noise of the train or watching a movie, right? I could, I could whip out my phone and play a movie and we could both hear the audio stream from the movie. So there you will be able to return to that sort of shared listening experience while wearing hearable devices. And, and that'll be really intriguing. I think it's really exciting for the future that one of the biggest problems with wireless technology, I think Bluetooth uh, or, or just sharing audio, is now that everybody is carrying around a speaker in their pocket, people now feel entitled to share their personal audio experience with everyone around them. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that element of the audio, of the soundscape of our world today, where I, I was sitting on a plane, and to me, the plane is the 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 one place that I want to shut myself in and close out the world around me. And this person next to me was on their phone and they couldn't hear it over the engine, so they cranked the volume so that they could hear it. Meanwhile, all of us around have to experience this. And there's times when that's fun. For instance, you're at a, a park and you want to listen to a song on the speaker. Great, and you can share it, but you have to be mindful of those around you. And I think there's a certain loss of etiquette about that 
uh, I don't think, maybe it wasn't lost, maybe it was never taught about people's personal space, not just physically, but from an auditory standpoint as well, it, you have to be considerate of what people are hearing. And with hearables, we'll be able to downplay that or mute that out and only let in what we want, which I think is very exciting. I think also uh, something for companies to consider, the difference between listening on a, or having an advertisement on a speaker as opposed to having one on a podcast or on a music streaming platform. And I don't think they've quite got this yet, but you can't just take a broadcast ad and then put it in earbuds. It doesn't work because a broadcast ad is the decibels are far higher because it's emitting out to a whole room or, uh, you know, a whole bigger experience. And if you do that, you are taking that person out of the experience that they've got. And I guarantee you, well, from my experience, when I hear that, whatever I just heard, I don't like anymore. You know, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And so I I think that companies need to consider that, uh, yes, there is speakers and those are important and you need to have your audio and your sound work for that. But it also needs to be considered that people are listening in another way as well. Well, this is not new either. It's the loudness wars um, for mastering of music is a very real thing. Uh, You know, before. So mastering is for those that don't know, is the final step when you're done mixing and recording a record, the mastering sort of, it, it balances it out, overall equalization, overall compression, just to give it a, uh, a sort of cohesive sheen around the entire album or the single or whatever. Uh, but what ha- started to happen was, because everyone was competing on radio to be the loudest out there, everyone was inching up the compression and pushing that brick wall as loud as you possibly could to get your sound across. And... <laughs> I think the pinnacle of it was Californication by um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. If you listen to that, you can hear the distortion in the master, and it's it's terrible. And they did this all just to be heard. Nowadays, it's starting to get pulled back. But back then, you only had to deal with one standard for radio and television. Like there was there was a very small there was there was not as many touch points for audio. But now. You know, we get it in our car, we get it in our hearables, we get it on podcasts through speakerphones, we get it through TV, we get it through computer audio. There needs to be better standards in place for the loudness and the consideration of loudness, uh, not just overall loudness, but general frequency. And so the, I don't, I don't know too many of the details, but the, the, the unit they use now is the LUFs, the, the, um, sort of like a, a loudness over time, and it's 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 pretty handy. But people can still exploit that within boundaries. And I think it might not necessarily be the responsibility of the... It, obviously, it should be the responsibility of the companies to putting it out. But at the same time, I think it's a great opportunity for hardware manufacturers to step in and say, okay, we, we can handle this. Because then what happens is, say, Sony becomes known as the company that, oh, I can actually listen to ads and it doesn't doesn't blow my, my head off. Um, and I think that's going to be a good opportunity for hardware manufacturers to consider how can we take this problem in and make it ours. And that will give them an advantage because there's too many touch points and there's too many um, marketers and advertisers out there. And unless a standard is put in place and we know how long standards take to, to form, um, I don't know what's going to happen. I think even before that happens, the consumer themselves are going to sort this out. Uh, you know, the, the, the immersive audio experience is so new, you know, whether it's a smart speaker or in hearables, what have you, that 
advertisers are going to sort out which ones have an impact and which ones are rejected. There's so many options today that if, if one particular channel gets it wrong, people will abandon that channel. I mean, think about movies versus television. Uh, people have accepted 30-second commercials on television. Nobody will tolerate it in a movie theater, in the middle of a movie. And so you saw advertisers doing product placements within the movie itself. And then the same thing is, is the audio experience evolves in different formats and in different places, the advertising is going to evolve with it. I agree with that. Uh, my husband and I have been exploring like product placement advertising and video production and films and things like that because there's so many options now for streaming video where you have adless experiences. People are paying that extra dollar or two dollars to avoid ads. And it it gets to the point where it's like, okay, well, how is somebody going to advertise? You got to be more clever about it. Yeah, you look at how delicately people are approaching advertising on smart speakers. Everybody's really afraid of failure, but eventually somebody's going to figure out the formula that, you know, gets, I want to say eyeballs, but it's a smart speaker, right? That, in, that engages the ears without being obtrusive, intrusive. And you have to, you have to experiment. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know exactly the statistics, but I'm sure that all the great inventors had far more flops than they actually had good inventions. And it was because they tried something and played with it. And I, I'm a big advocate for that is I, I want people to just get out there and try something like not worry about failing, like just assume you're going to fail, but just try it and see what's going to happen because sound is the future. And if you're not trying anything, you are failing. Yeah, you're letting everyone down by staying the same. It's just, it, it needs to be better. Yeah, though brands have to be careful because if they fail badly enough, it's always the entire brand. That's true. That That's is true. true. There's a lot of a lot of money on the line. So you're right, yeah. somebody will do it. And you do, you do see people starting to experiment with, for example, context-sensitive suggestions within a voice experience. Not an overt blanket advertisement, but... If I'm asking questions about a particular topic, I might get a suggestion, for example, is more subtle. So people are playing around with it. And it'll be interesting to see exactly where it goes and, and, and what advertising formats succeed in the audio space. Well, there's also ethics. And I've always been a little bit wary of the, the Google suggested advertising. When I see an ad pop up, the way I look at it is, these ads, they're popping up on things that I've looked at based on what other people have chosen within that. I mean, I don't know all the details about the Google ads system, but to me, you lose that serendipitous experience of stumbling across an ad you never would have got. Whereas with television and radio, you heard all the ads for everybody. Uh, it's not tailored because that just keeps, keeps blinders on, my, uh, on me as far as what I might experience and what I might see. That's a very good so, point. So I don't know. I, yeah, I like I like random ads. Like you see somebody else's Instagram feed and you see the ads that come up in theirs versus what comes up in mine. It's it's actually novel. You know, it's interesting. I get the same ads over and over again and the same style of stuff and it's 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 boring after a while and I think they need to refresh the algorithms. That's a very good point because I also think about that for my like Facebook feed uh when uh it was Trump versus Hillary. I did not think Trump was going to win, but that was mostly based off of my analytics and the, the stuff that I was getting off of social media and, um, you know, press that I was reading about. It was all the algorithms that it was based off of 
friends and things I'd clicked on before, I wasn't getting the full picture. That's a dangerous thing. Yeah. It, that's, you know, that's very sneaky misinformation, but it's not misinformation. It's, it's really interesting because it's just based on what you're looking for. And, and now they're saying, well, you want good news. Okay. Here's good news. <laughs> but the bad news is the actual truth. And, and that's, I think, wouldn't it be refreshing to enter a world on the internet with no algorithms for a moment and just see what would happen? Clear oh the cache. Gosh. Just clear the cache. Clear and start it completely. <laughs> yeah. They should be like a day, one day a year where they do that. That'd be amazing. I'd love that. I've seen platforms where you can turn the personalization off. Ooh, mm. I haven't explored that. I should look into that. Well, this this is a whole other conversation because it's very fascinating, <laughs> yeah. but let's, let's stay on. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the, the, the second hour of this podcast will be about data transparency and privacy. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do want to talk about that eventually, but um, yeah, that's a bear. Um, Andrew, I wanted to talk to you about... Um, I know that you're not in the hearing aid department of sorts, but uh, I kind of wanted to talk about how near audio, near range audio can actually help people. How could a multimodal experience, so we're not talking it's just headphone situation, but sound in general, can that help somebody? Well, yeah, no, touching on multimodal is a, is, is, is a good kind of end cap to this discussion because different people have different needs and people learn in different ways. And so, you know, for example, I use Google Assistant a lot because my hearing aids are connected to my phone and it's an Android phone. So I'm constantly asking Google Assistant for things. But Google Assistant is actually rather multimodal. So I can, I can make a Google query and look on my screen and see the see images that go with it. Now, I think in the end, the experience will become more adaptive. So if my phone's in my pocket, I'll get a more audio-based experience that's a little bit more verbose because I'm not looking at anything. But on the other hand, if the screen is in front of me, I can get a true multimodal experience. And so depending on who I am and how I take in information best, you can vary the combination of visual versus audio and have a personal experience that's geared more towards what my needs are. That's a kind of the fascinating future of voice because you're really adding voice to the visuals and making it multimodal in, in a mix that works best for me. What's great about it, having multimodal feedback, um, is that it covers a huge gradient of users where, as Andrew said, if the phone is in the pocket or, for instance, if your phone is set up for the screen reader or like the, the voiceover in Apple, for instance, um, then you can get a lot more audio information and a lot more audio interaction versus when you're looking at the screen, you don't get that. Uh, and I think that, that comes down to that's, that, that's a, an important design consideration is if they're on their screen and you know they're holding the phone, then that's how they want to interact. And being contextually aware of how the user is using their device then that's great. For instance, if my phone is in my pocket, but I'm standing next to my smart speaker and I say, okay, Google, then I want my smart speaker to pick it up, not my phone. If I'd wanted my phone, I likely would have pulled my phone out. So that, that sort of contextually aware ecosystem is great. And it's the one thing that I have a hard time with is everyone's building their own walled gardens here. Um, you know, yes, you can still use Google assistant on my iPhone, but it doesn't work flawlessly with all the other elements in my ecosystem. And same with Siri, for instance. I, Siri's great across my computer, my 
uh, phone and my watch and now my AirPods. But unfortunately, she's a bit useless when it comes to giving me information. <laughs> she can book an appointment for me. That's great. And put it in my calendar. But Google's much better at explaining what it finds and, and actually going into detail so I don't have to pull my phone and look. Um, if I hear Siri say, I found this on the web for you one more time, I'm I'm just going to stop using it because <laughs> it's just so irritating. But uh, no, I I, uh, I think that we, we can all benefit from a better multimodal experience, um, even be beyond one device, but in all our devices. And just having a much better backbone for these ecosystems. I think Google is really good at it, but I don't have enough Google products to get the most out of it. So I have to go through some hoops in order to use it properly. So that would be something where all of the different competitions, no matter what, you just have a preference on what you buy, but they still talk to each other. Um, that would be great. <laughs> it would be great. It's like wall sockets. You know, you can plug anything you want into it, but it's universal in North America, you know, and, and it's, I think it'd be if we could approach voice assistance in a similar way or any APIs for that matter that a company wants to, to introduce, make it so that everybody can talk to each other well. But again, that is another conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. This has been enlightening and it's giving me ideas for new episodes and I might have to do four-parter episodes when it comes to ethics and <laughs> audio ethics and all of that. But uh, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, appreciate it. Nice to talk to you both. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Gina. Thanks for joining me for the conclusion of my interview with Andrew Bellavia of Knowles Corporation and Charles Balderstein of What Sounds Design. For more of the Sound and Marketing Podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, and share. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast, or for inquiries on sonic branding and sonic branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R Productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Isham. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.